morning. Today's Bible reading is from Romans 1, verse 8 to 17. First, I thank my God through Jesus Christ for all of you, because your faith is proclaimed in all the world. For God is my witness, whom I serve with my spirit in the gospel of Son. Sorry, whom I serve with my spirit in the gospel of His Son, that without ceasing I mention you always in my prayers, asking that somehow by God's will I may now at last succeed in coming to you. For I long to see you, that I may impart to you some spiritual gifts to strengthen you. That is, that we may be mutually encouraged by each other's faith, both yours and mine. I do not want you to be unaware, brothers, that I have often intended to come to you, but this far has been prevented, in order for me to, ma- to in, in order that I may reap some harvest among you, as well as among the rest of the Gentiles. I am under obligation both to Greeks and to barbarians, both to the wise and to the foolish. So I am eager to preach to the, preach the gospel to you, also who are in Rome. For I am not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. For in it is the righteousness of God is revealed, for faith, from faith for faith, as it is written, the righteous shall live by faith. Thank you, Kim. We are expecting this morning. Praise God. Well, good morning. Tiff, could you just pull down that background uh, backing music for us a bit? Thank you. Praise God. First of all, before we get started, a couple of things. I'd like a, uh, a big thank you to everyone that comes in early to set up. I really appreciate it. And um, I tend to get a, a, a little bit too involved in the morning, so Chloe kicked me out. And uh, she said I had to go at least 200 meters away. So hence the green tea. Yeah. But we really do appreciate everyone's help and thank you very much. And we're growing. Uh, so this time last year, we had no musicians. We had one worship leader. And uh, I'll just tell you a little secret. Her mic was turned off. <laughs> All right, so. <laughs> Praise God. you got your little booklets if you got them with you. And uh, if you haven't got one but um, would like one, just put your hand up and I think Margaret will go and get you one. And I do recommend you have them, yeah, please. And uh, just a little, uh, these are um, a little synopsis of our sermon series, The Righteous Shall Live By Faith. And there are, I did notice one little typo in there. Um, and I have basically cut this down from another book uh, that I wrote. And I noticed that, for example, Hebrews uh, 3.38 is supposed to be Hebrews 10.38, so down there. And it just gives a synopsis of, of the series. And, uh, and for you to read and reference, and then a little note there. And then during our midweek uh, Bible studies and midweek growth groups, there's an opportunity just to go over these little thought-provoking questions. We're starting a new series called The Righteous Shall Live by Faith. And uh, you'll see there on the inside that uh, I've got the original use of that from Habakkuk 2 verse 4, where it says, Behold, as for the proud one, his soul is not right within him, but the righteous will live by his faith. And then that scripture is then referred to in Romans 1, which Kim read, and thank you very much, Kim, you got that thrown curveball at the last minute because someone else was going to read it, but they're not feeling well. Don't you love being in the marketplace? 
Hallelujah. People, people say, people say, we've got to take the church into the marketplace. Well, this is what it looks like. <laughs> Hallelujah. And actually, we have had people come and get saved, and that because they heard us. And uh, so, praise God. So that scripture of Habakkuk, the righteous shall live by faith, became the foundation of, of New Testament theology and New Testament beliefs. And uh, I find it interesting, and uh, I was reading uh, this Jewish rabbi, which I want to do. Surely everyone's got the, the uh, combined works of Jew Jewish rabbis on their bedside. Anyway, I was reading this, uh, thank you very much, Brother Paul, I, I look at you and I see a spiritual man. And Rabbi Simla, he said this, so he's Jewish, and I think he was writing 1st or 2nd century, he said this. He said, Moses wrote 365 prohibitions and 245 negative commands. David, in Psalm 15, reduced these to 11. Isaiah, in Isaiah 33, reduced it to 6. And Micah, in Micah 6.8, reduced it to 3. But Habakkuk, so this is a Jew, Habakkuk wrote the whole of the Old Testament up in one verse, Habakkuk 2.4. This is a Jewish rabbi. It said, the righteous shall live by their faith. This year is going to be a year of exceedingly growing faith for Redeemer Coast, I believe it. And there uh, we will learn to live in the bounty of God and His goodness and His provision for our purposes. But we're going to lay a foundation first of what it means to walk by faith. It's, it is the basic principle of the New Covenant. <laughs> And uh, it is uh, the law of the new covenant, the law of love, that how that works is the righteous shall live by their faith. And uh, it's good to know how things work. Um, now, for example, and, and I know this might be a bit close to home to some people here, but our family occasionally plays Monopoly. <laughs> and um, <laughs> we all know that Monopoly has rules, and and then it has invented rules, true? <laughs> it has local rules, like this dumb thing laying on free parking, put $500, what a dumb, $50 or something. You know, all these local rules. And for some reason, and you know, uh, I have uh, earned a reputation in our family for not to play Monopoly with. I, I don't know why. And I, I think there may have been an occasion or two a long time ago where perhaps I was a stickler for some rules that may or may not have been invented by me. And I, I'm going to plead the fifth. But, you know, I'm telling you now that it's totally unfounded as to where I am now. And we all grow by grace, don't we? We all. Some of us need to grow a lot more. It's got to the stage now that my family tends to gang up on me. And, but it's a work of grace in their life now. So, but Monopoly has rules. The New Covenant has rules that it works by. And this is the primary one. The righteous are to live by their faith. And uh, so we're laying a foundation now of faith. We're going to talk uh, in future weeks what faith is, 
how faith works, how to release it, how to get it, how to stand by it, and lay that foundation right down so that as we go now in future uh, weeks and months to talk about the promises of God, like promises for uh, baptism of the Holy Spirit, promises for healing, promises for deliverance, promises for prosperity, promises for meaning in life, that we can learn how to take that and stand on it. But the very first principle is the righteous shall live by their faith. Um, and, and it's good to get your ABCs, right? It's good to get your ABCs. Um, I, I found that um, I failed year 12 maths. And uh, <laughs> I've got another man. He's a man of mercy here. <laughs> you ten. I got yeah, I got six out of a hundred. I got eleven. You got eleven. <laughs> I think I got the six for getting my name right. And uh, when I look back at it, it's because you know, with with, with maths, you've got to get the basics right. Don't you? Got to get first of all, you get addition, and then after addition, you get subtraction. And you've got to understand addition before you understand subtraction. Is that right? And then you get multiplication. And then after multiplication, you get division. And then after that comes all these weird things. <laughs> Calculus, trigonometry, all these things, you know, <laughs> sine and cos and all those. And, and uh, you know, but if you don't get the ABCs, you don't understand how the rest works. Faith is not meant to be complicated. And uh, we'll talk about that later. And we can see when Jesus marveled at their unbelief that it's not meant to be complicated. And I've, and I've found, you know, because I've ministered in a few different places, Vanuatu, Fiji, Africa, that, you know, you get deaf ears opening and blind eyes, you know. We, uh, someone from our, our Rhema, our Bible college in, in Fiji just three weeks ago, rose someone from the dead. They had died, they'd been dead for half an hour, no pulse, no heartbeat, confirmed dead, totally still, no breath, and they were raised from the dead. And, and that happens. Yeah more in the, in the Eastern world and in the Third world than it does in our world because we think very logically about things. And so I've found for us, we actually need to sit down and think and try and understand what faith is a little bit more and how it works. And when you understand how it works, it becomes a bit easier because it was not, the whole point of it was to make it easy to receive from God. Faith is supposed to be easy. Not easy on the flesh, but easy to operate. It's the underlying principle of the New Testament. Years ago, uh, it's been in the 1990s, I think it was 1995, I, I, an Apple computer gave, uh, awarded us, uh, I think, $100,000 to do a CD-ROM uh, with the Wallabies. And um, so the Wallabies are the Australian rugby union team. Those of you that know, thank you very much. And uh, so we, uh, we, we were going to do this, uh, this game. We did this game. We made it where uh, you, you go and watch the people play in a test and then you sneak down into the change rooms and you open up the lockers and you look through all their uh, details and the weight and all the statistics and then you go and pick your team and you've got to play against the computer. And we designed it and we had it. We had it up and running, and then a few things happened. Uh, the rugby 
turned pro and they sold all the rights to everything and all that. But in doing this, uh, we, we, uh, my brother and I uh, went and we stayed a weekend or longer with the Wallabies on a training camp in Wollongong. And the, the coach then was Bob Dwyer and I, I was friends with a, a gentleman by the name of George Gregan because I, I taught with him and he was to become the Australian captain. And uh, those were the days you had David Campisi, and uh, you just got glazed eyes. You know, I, this doesn't mean much in Peru or Argentina. It means a lot here, <laughs> right? Um, so we um, we went and uh, we, we filmed them, and then we had the opportunity to have lunch, you know. And uh, we had lunch with David Campisi and Bob Dwyer, the Australian coach. I, I was hoping this would impress some people. <laughs> I'm very sorry that it's not. But um, nevertheless, I can remember something that Bob Dwyer was talking about. He said, you know, and Campisi would say, he said it all the time. He said, rugby is a simple game, guys. He said, rugby is a simple game. And Bob Dwyer were having this conversation over lunch, and Bob Dwyer said, you know, if I could get a front row forward to get the ball and go one metre, fall down, and we win the ball back, I would pick him over everyone else. Because the basics of rugby is to get the ball, go forward and keep the ball. And I was thinking about that. Because, you know, it's one of those, I, I have to be honest with you, it is a dumb game. <laughs> you, it is so complicated if you don't understand. There's rules for this and there's rules for that. And I'm sure the referee, I know the referee doesn't understand the rules. Because I've seen some of the decisions. But the basic premises behind it is get the ball, go forward with the ball, and keep the ball. And if you can do that, you'll win the game. The basic present, uh, premise of the New Testament is the righteous are to live by faith. The righteous will find life by faith. Few years after that, I was coaching uh, my sons. I think it was under 11s, just before we moved up. The under 10s, under 11s. He was playing up a, an age division, and I was the forwards coach. They should make a movie of what I'm about to tell you, <laughs> but it's true. <laughs> and so I, I had this, I had this, uh, a rule which I started to roll out with our forwards: get the ball, run straight, get tackled, fall down and we'll get the ball back, place the ball back. And that was, you got one job. As a forward, you got one job with the ball. Get it, go forward. They weren't allowed to run sideways. I'm sorry, Saroa. You look like one of those really nimble guys. You could probably, you know, run sideways and dart. Look at him. You would have made a good halfback, don't you think? And I said this rule, run forward, go down. Anyway, the head coach, this was um, Vikings, black division, the top division, they had three or four or five divisions, something. Uh, he was a back. Backs arrogantly think that they win games. Just, but we know forwards win games, backs just decide by how much. That's how it goes. So he kept reducing the amount of time I had with the forwards. Finally, going into the finals, we got... Uh, I said, listen, if, I don't, if you don't give me more than 10 minutes with the forwards, I, I can't do anything with them. And so I just stepped back from being the assistant coach, which is, you know, every now and again, you've got to make a moral stand about things. Does anyone find that? Make a moral stand? 
So I stepped back. Anyway, uh, the next week they played this, uh, this last game before the semis, they played this elite uh, Catholic school, Catholic rugby school, and they got beat by 50 points, beaten by 50 points. And so I went back, and is this boring you, Chrissy? Because it looks like you're really trying to pay attention to <laughs> She's got that, it's rugby, glazed over look. Could be worse, could be cricket. <laughs> anyway, long and short of it, after getting beaten by 50 points, they invited me back to, to coach, and so I would have, you know, 45 minutes for forwards, and I just drilled, you've got one job. First thing is, don't do anything else until you've run forward, you know, to do it. If you run sideways, if you pass the ball, you're getting kicked out. And I was, like, fanatic, like that, you know. Anyway, no, shit. No, you weren't. Yeah, yeah, I was. And so we managed to get through the semis. In the grand final, we were up against this team, Eddie's College, St Edmunds College from Canberra, that walloped us three or four weeks before, 50 to nil. I said to the forwards, you've got one job. We get the ball, one job. Go forward, get tackled, place the ball, get the ball back. As soon as you run sideways, as soon as you run sideways, you're out. Well, we had this star kid, besides my son. We had this star kid, and he was a real hero. He did good for 10 minutes, but then he just couldn't help himself, and he, he ran sideways across the field, and then he darted back, and he invited 10 or 12 players, and he darted back, and then he threw the ball all his 11, he said, over his shoulder, and we lost the ball. I pulled him off. I said, you're off. This is the grand final. I pulled off, you know, and I sat him on the side, and, and all the parents went, what? And the coach said, what? And we were like 30 points behind, you know. Pulled him off. Half time he came up, he said, Mr. Peterson, I promise you, if you let me back on, I will run straight. I will go down, I'll place the ball, and we'll win it. He said, You've got one job. And this is a true story. He came back on, he did it, and every other forward did that. They went straight, they went down to place the ball, and we edged back, and we beat St. Eddie's College. And I was a hero. <laughs> When you understand the fundamentals of Christianity and the New Covenant, it is the righteous shall live by faith. Well, what does that mean? I want you to turn uh, quickly to, um, if you have your Bibles with you, we're going to look at three scriptures. First of all, we're going to look at Ephesians 2 and verse 8. If we are to make any progress in our faith, we need to learn to live by faith. Ephesians 2, and most of you would be familiar with this. I can tell I'm in Ephesians. It's, it's the book I read most. <laughs> Ephesians 2 and verse 8. It says, for by grace you have been saved through faith, and that is not of your souls, it is a gift of God. By grace you have been saved through faith, it's not of your souls, it is a gift of God. Let's talk about that before we go to, before we go to John. Um, thank you, darling. That's right, I can make up anything I like now. Let's go ahead. So the basis of salvation is by grace you have been saved. By grace you are saved through faith. And that faith even itself is not from us, but it's a gift from God. 
If we look at grace as everything that God has provided for us freely, then what God has provided for us freely, uh, we are saved through faith. Now, by grace, through faith. That word through means the channel by which it comes. So when the wise men went and visited Joseph and Mary, and they, the Bible says that they were, they were warned in a dream about Herod, they went back to their own land through another way. And so the, the basis of Ephesians 2 eight is that you, by grace, were saved, but it is through the channel of faith that we receive it. Now, like Monopoly, religious uh, people like to make up our own rules. And we say, well, how come so-and-so didn't get well? Or how come, I mean, they're such good Christians. I don't even know what that means, really. But it's not Ephesians 2.8, because Ephesians 2.8 says, by grace, you are saved through faith. Everything God has done for us, when were your sins forgiven? When did God choose to forgive your sins? And when was the price of your sins paid for? On Calvary. You know, when you received Jesus as your Lord and Savior, Jesus didn't go back to the cross to die. It was already done. And everything that was provided for us was grace, but it is received through faith. When I was a teenager, we did work experience. I went and I did work experience at a, at a dairy farm, and we used to round, round the. Can you just pull that down a bit, thanks? You just round uh, the cows up, and you take them to the machine, and you're left with a number of appendages. They say, "How do you tell a bull from a cow?" Well, you'll find out quick enough. All right, but there was, you know, where the milk comes out, and there was the tail. You can pull that tail all you like, you will not get milk. You might get something else, but you won't get milk. The milk is there, but it only comes through the others and through the machine. By grace, you've been saved through faith. Years ago, uh, we were um, uh, we were in Canberra, pastoring in Canberra, and there was a lady in our church. Her name was Sue, and she'd been in a severe car accident, and she had uh, serious whiplash. It was painful, and she had meds for it. And it was uh, she was going to the court. I didn't realise at this time that she was she was having a court case about it. One day, she turned up. Uh, at my desk, my office, and she came in and she put $10,000, $10,000 check down on my, on my desk. And I looked at it and I said, this is a $10,000 check. And this was back in, I think, 2001. You know, $10,000 was a lot of money back then. You could buy a house, a car, a farm. <laughs> I still have enough to put away for retirement, that sort of money. And I said, what, what happened? She said, I got healed. I said, well, tell me how it happened. She said, well, she went on the ladies' trip uh, with uh, you and a few ladies. I think you hired a bus and you went up and saw um, Jesse DePlantis. And I had been teaching on healing. And really that healing is an accomplished work. 
um, as in the Bible says, by his stripes we were healed, is accomplished work. It's a grace of God. Uh, God has said what his will is for mankind, and he's accomplished it. She said, and I'd heard that, you know, she said, then I went on this bus to, to Jesse DePlantis, she said, and he was preaching on something similar. She said, oh, I've heard that before. And then she said, on the way back in the bus, she said, you know, that's just exactly what Pastor Grant was preaching. Reverend Jesse, Pastor Grant, preaching. She said, it must be true. And, uh, and she said, when she said that, all of a sudden, bang, she felt, and not that you're feeling doesn't matter anything, but this warmth go through her, down through her, and she was healed. The pain was gone. And so she went and had her medical checkups, and all the pain was gone, her neck was healed. And uh, so then she, then she said, so what I did is I went to my lawyer, because the insurance company had, or their first offer was $100,000. So she went to the lawyer and she said, I've been healed. Here's my medical reports. I don't have any pain. I'm off meds. I've got no pain. It's been, and, and she said, what are we going to do? The lawyer said, we're going to take that offer. <laughs> <laughs> so they took the $100,000 off and she died off it. I think we bought some data projectors and things like that. And, but the point is, it was always there for her. Now we can say lots of religious things as to uh, God's will, uh, we can put the onus of it back on God. But the fact of the matter, the New Testament works by grace through faith. The channel is the channel of faith. Right? And turn to 1 Corinthians, so not 1 Corinthians, let's go, I'm running out of time. Let's go to, because um, I want to show you something about this operation of grace, grace and faith. So in John 1, Verse 16, we're introduced to Jesus. I, I uh, hope that you've got questions. Uh, I really do. Because questions can build faith. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. When you get them answered. And I really hope, and it's all right to have questions. Do not take my word for it. I did not write it. But will you agree with me that if God's word says it yeah. over and over and over, yeah. it might be true. And I had this challenge myself, but we're going to look at a little bit of this operation. Uh, I invite you to have questions, sit there, write them down. The next few weeks and months, we're going to be dealing with this. All right? Uh, John 1 16, it says this it says, For of his fullness we have all received grace upon grace. Of his fullness, We've all received grace upon grace. Now, the word fullness there, literally, you know, the, uh, the ancient language is often spoken images. And this image was a ship laden with cargo. And it arrives at port and they start to unload the cargo. And they unload this and then they stack the next one on it and the next one on it. And they do it, and it, grace upon grace upon grace of his fullness, all the blessings and promises of God, it says in Corinthians, all promises of God, not most, not some of them, all the promises of God are yes and amen in Christ Jesus for everyone. 
if if God's promised it, His intention is yes. His will is yes. We cannot read, write, monopoly as much as we'd like to. The book of Romans says it's like this. Who is the clay to argue with the potter? And if this is how God wants to, to run it, we need to get in line with it. All right? And so it says that the ship, this, of his abundance, we have all received grace upon grace. So that the image is there unloading the ship and then it gets higher and that gets put upon that and that gets put upon that and that gets put upon that. Of his grace, we've all received grace upon grace. So the first grace that we have is forgiveness of sins. Amen. And the second grace we have is righteousness. Do you know, once your sins are forgiven, you are righteous before God. Can I tell you a fundamental secret that will change your life? Are you ready for it? I don't know that you are. I really am. Can I tell you a fundamental secret that will change your life? Can I do that? Are you ready for it? Are you sure? You're going to take notes. When you are forgiven, you are made righteous, whether you feel like it or not. True? Because your feelings don't give anything about your real status before God and they don't determine anything. The first gift is forgiveness. Second gift is righteousness. Once and then grace. The next gift is piled on. Once you've got righteousness, you've got free access to God. He's not mad at you. The Bible says we're made righteous, so we can come boldly into His presence. Grace upon grace. Once we had that grace, He said, "You know what? I'm going to put more grace. I'm going to give you my name." and all the authority that's in my name, so that if you ask anything according to my will, you know that you have it. And then he provided all sorts of things that come with that. David described the new covenant. He prepares a table before us in the presence of our enemies. The devil's going to try and tell you it's not yours. He's going to give you all sorts of carnal and religious reasons why you can't receive it. People are going to doubt it and say it's not for you. Maybe God is putting you through this to test you. That's funny. I thought that's what the Holy Spirit was for. (laughs) Maybe, you know, which father makes their child sick to teach them something? Is there any father... Put your hand up and you're going to get arrested because I legally, legally I have to report you. Legally I've got to report you. I have to report you. But we accuse God of doing that. Don't we? To teach us. I thought that's why we had the Holy Spirit. And grace upon grace, He's given us, and it's stacked up there, ready for us to receive. And in this, the righteousness of God is revealed. Romans 4, Romans 1, verse 17. Turn there. Romans 1. Verse 16 and 17. It says this. It says, I am not ashamed of the gospel 
for it is the power of God for salvation. That word salvation means delivered from whatever your need is. There is an implication of deliverance, implication of healing in there. It's the power of God for all those things. And who does it apply to? Everyone who believes, the Jew first and also the Greek, for in it the righteousness of God is revealed. In the gospel, the righteousness of God, the power to deliver us, is revealed. And how it is revealed? It says, from faith to faith. John 1.16 says, grace upon grace. Romans 1.17, it says, we get that revealed to us. It's illuminated to us. We get to see it from great, from faith leading to faith. It is a different uh, word between faith. John 1.16 means it starts with grace, it ends with grace, and everything is grace in between, and these graces are stacked up by that ship arriving at port. Christ died, arrived for us, arrived for us, and everything in redemption was provided for us. But faith leading to faith is another word. And what it means is the first step of faith then is gives you access to the next step of faith, which then gives you access to the next step of faith. And the word is like a ladder. You must have that first step of faith for salvation. You must understand that. Before forgiveness, before you can understand righteousness. And you must have righteousness before you can understand, understand righteousness, before you can understand that we have free access to the Father. And you must understand that before you can understand how to pray in faith and how to use the name of Jesus. So it is faith that leads to faith. And it's okay, guys, to say, I'm just at this salvation faith. That's all I have. But I'm open to God leading me. I'm open to finding the next step. And I'm going to be a cynical and a skeptical, and I'm going to scrutinize everything you say, Pastor Grant, and I'm going to write it down, and I'm going to be that person that emails, because I want my faith to be founded on the Word of God. And that's good. If you're here thinking that, I say, Amen, more power to you, because when you get convinced of it, nothing will be able to move from faith to faith. Uh, George Muller, who uh, lived in the 1800s and he had a, um, lots of orphanages. He ended up with dozens of orphanages. And he said, it, it, take, it took me more to believe God for one pound when I started than a million pounds now. Paul wrote to the Thessalonians, he says, I'm glad that your love abounds. He said, and I'm so glad that your faith increases mightily. We have faith that leads to faith, that leads to faith, that leads to faith, and we can grow in it, and we can prosper in it. I have, we, we don't have any kids here today. I've got some, some young ones like Paul and Kim. And does anyone have two dollars that I can, I can have two dollars? Oh, come on, guys, come on. What are you thinking? I'm not good for this? <laughs> I can give it to you, Pastor Graham, but I know I'm not going to get it back. No. And uh, 
Uh, I got two dollars. Uh, where'd you get this from, Tom? You bag. You earned this. You earned this. You went out and worked for it, and you're giving it to me. <laughs> it's mine now. It's mine now. Is that it's mine? So what I do with it is, I'm not going to cop it on the way home. It's two dollars. If I said to you, here's two dollars, it, it would be a, an act of grace, wouldn't it? You haven't earned it, she's earned it. Christ has earned an awful lot for us that he paid. But if I said to you, here's two dollars, uh, what would you have to do to come and get it? Who'd like to do that? <laughs> there you go. It's yours. Hallelujah. That's good. That's a little bit of grace, and that's a little bit of faith. And to tell you, if we had more of our young kids than not here today, that I would probably, I would probably would have been steamrolled older. Which is why Jesus said, "If you come to me, come as a young child." Because you know, a child's not going to think twice about that. Are you ready? A child's not going to think twice. There's uh, something that I heard, and. Uh, I've got it here. First one. <laughs> no. Yeah, you mind. Yeah. Well, that didn't work. Come on, sports fans. I was expecting, we normally got three, four, five, six kids. I was expecting to be bowled over. You know. We <laughs> try. It's yours anyway. <laughs> Not anymore. Not anymore. Margaret will probably take you out for a coffee, cup, cup of coffee. The righteous shall live by faith. Margaret's got that $10 now because she believed it was hers. If she never believed it was hers, it wouldn't matter what I said. It would never be hers. But she believed it and she acted upon it. Yeah, that's good. That's really good. When was it hers? The minute I offered it, when did she receive it? When she took it. When she took it. The righteousness that the righteousness that is revealed to us uh, is through faith. What God has provided for us, it comes to us by forming beliefs. Margaret formed beliefs she can just get a free ten bucks. Accepting as being true and acting upon it. Romans 1, Galatians 3, all throughout the New Testament, it says the righteous will live by faith. The righteous will find life by faith. The righteous will hear what Jesus has done for them, believe it, receive it, and have it. We're doing this series, The Righteous. We're going to talk about what is faith, how to get, how to recognize if you've got faith. Who'd like to know if you've got faith for something? I would. And uh, thank you. And, and then how to grow it, how to release it, how to act on it, how to stand on it. We're going to go over it. Praise God.